1: What's
2: good, Internet? It is March 3rd, 2017, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, coming to you live from Lobby One in Vice HQ here in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, New York, 3-3, 2017. It is Switch Day, baby.
3: Yeah, Switch Day.
2: Joining me, Danielle Riendo. Hi. Patrick Klepik. I'm pumped. He's pumping his fists in the
4: literally air, literally getting pumped. Waiting
2: for a, a truck to show up with
3: <laughs>
4: a multiple box. And- no, multiple trucks. I got. I'm waiting on UPS's. and waiting on FedEx's. What's coming? Oh. What's in what? Uh, Zelda is in the UPS. No, you
2: wait. You you ordered from two different. There's two different boxes coming.
4: Well, yeah, I did not get a. Patrick. No, I did not get, a, did not get a, a, a switch through Amazon, who delivers through UPS. I got a switch through Target, who delivers through FedEx.
2: Patrick, you've just set yourself up for the worst weekend. Oh, no. What if Zelda comes and the Switch doesn't? They're oh. both on a truck. I'm good. Lots of things are on trucks, Patrick.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, no, I'm actually. Ex- I'm, I'm, uh, this- I'm fine with Zelda not showing up. There's a solution to that. No, no, problem. no. I know
2: that. I'm saying the other way around. If Zelda comes
4: and the Switch doesn't, I can still go to Costco. And there's a target around the corner. I feel, right, I, feel, I feel like I got options. I feel like I got options. You'll be all right. Stop trying to tear me down. Why, like, I'm in a good mood.
3: <laughs> it's Friday. It's Friday. It's Friday. It's Switch Day.
2: It's Switch Day. The Switch is out. We have we have you a Switch one. right here. It's a Switch. I can show it to you now.
3: I got one at midnight last night at a GameStop. Did you go? No, I was really ah. sick. So what My girlfriend, girlfriend went. Yeah,
2: what you meant by I got one was my girlfriend went. I have one.
3: waited in line at midnight events for her multiple times, including Fallout 4. Uh huh. So I feel like it's okay. We we you know we have a very equal partnership. You
2: stayed for her to get Fallout Four, and she stayed for you to get Zelda. I think. Yeah. Uh, I'm just saying. I you think know, maybe she.
3: I. Uh, you're right. Did better. She kind of. <laughs> she kind of did a little. I'm gonna more put this down because
2: otherwise I'm gonna play Zelda more. And like yeah. you might scratch that screen. One. I got a screen protector on there. Nintendo okay. uh, when they send the the review unit of the of the Switch they also sent a uh, Pro Controller, one of the charging Joy-Con holder uh-huh. things. And this case with a screen protector. So does thankfully. the
4: screen protector go on even while you're walking it around, or is the protector just when you're like traveling with it?
2: Oh, it's on the screen. It's okay. like a, it's just like an iPad. It's like a tablet screen protector where you get like the little
4: air bubbles and you push out the air bubbles. It's it doesn't like look those. bad. Like it doesn't look make the screen look sh- shitty. Sing, that's why. That's why, a why a I've never gotten those for Can a phone even or an iPad. mostly it looks great. You can't even
2: yeah, hear look. It you can't nice. even. You can't even tell. I'm holding it up from across a room. Okay, just, it's it's. It's fine.
3: God, I love that red color.
2: It's a good red color. I love it. I so so I've spent the last week. We can talk about the switch.
3: Yes, we can. I spent the
2: last week with the switch. Um, I got it last week when I first came back. Again, I took a. I hid it.
3: Un- See, this was me taking one for the team for you, sure. hiding it under my desk in unmarked boxes.
2: Yeah, uh, I appreciate that. You hit the switch. You didn't yes. take it. You could have taken it. You didn't. I
1: could um, have taken it. I would have taken
2: it. I I bet I thought about saying you know what Danielle you just take it and then I'll pick it up from you on Thursday or whatever. I,
3: I thought you might have actually. Gone I considered
2: that way, it. I but, really did. I thought know. about doing the nice good thing yeah. and then yeah. Vacation makes a man selfish. <laughs> Is that what happened? A little bit. All right. I'm just like man. I gotta treat. It's myself. just like on Rand. You know, wrote
4: in a, uh, you know, that's
2: what she in, in Atlas shrugged. <laughs> Vacation (laughs) makes a man selfish. (laughs) The true form of man is... That's being at leisure. Austin shrugged, I see. Austin shrugged. Well, (laughs) that's
4: the title of the episode. Let me write it down.
2: Austin shrugged. So I ended up getting the switch, and at first I was definitely doing the thing of like, I don't want to take this places. This is like uh, it's yeah. big and cut like I um, uh, I don't want someone nice, to snatch it's it. It's new. It's yeah. new. It's not out. Oh, I don't want like twelve year olds being like, What's that? How'd you get a switch? And then they just Mommy, that boy it. stole a switch. There was like, a I don't uh, even...
4: there was a photo going around <laughs> on Twitter um where uh, uh Arthur Geis 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 Geese, from Polygon um mm-hmm. had been you know, he, he commute was commuting with it and some rando took a picture uh and said so like, Oh man, there's Some dude just on the BART playing a Switch. And then someone that is friends with that guy saw that photo and said, yeah, that's like Arthur from Polygon. Like, it was just a (laughs) funny situation. Like, exactly what you were trying to avoid or not run into. Yeah.
2: that's it. it, It's a scary thing to be like, oh, I have this thing that in the documentation Nintendo sent me specifically says, like, you're responsible for this. (laughs) Don't come crying to us. If you get snatched, like yeah. if you're on the you end, someone just switches. Is that like
3: you. what it? <laughs> yeah. You got switched. Yeah, on the train. I got
2: switched. I used to yeah. have a switch in my hands. Yeah. I got nothing. Now you switched. You got it. <laughs> you um, got jurist and switched. Eventually, yes. Eventually, I had started thinking it out. I actually went out to uh, like breakfast on my vacation with a friend. I went to brunch at like a, a diner near me, and I was like, "You want to see Zelda real quick while we're waiting for food?" And so it started there. And I was like, "That felt okay." Like I didn't feel yeah. too weird doing that for some reason. And so then when I started coming into work, I did start taking it on the train and like uh, on the bus, and did the thing that I didn't think I would do, which is like like, was able to get into playing Zelda in these little 20-minute chunks where it's like, okay, for the next 20 minutes, I'm just going to do, I really need to go get more mushrooms that can give me more extra hearts. So I'm going to go do that for the next 20 minutes. Or I really wanted to climb this tower and add this section to my map. And so I'll do that for the next 20 minutes. And I felt really comfortable. That said, I would feel more comfortable with the gray controllers than the red and the the Sure. The, the neon, blue.
3: like, steel. It feels
2: like having a yeah. red car. Yeah, Which is yeah, like, yeah. man, I'm just I'm gonna get stolen. Like this is it's too eye grabbing. I need something a little more. If I could get like a nice brown or wood
4: wood grain, <laughs> wood grain, wood grain switch. So I want to yeah. get I, I I ordered the uh the the gray switch because initially my initial gut reaction was th- that red and blue looks straight up ugly on that machine. Mm-hmm. I have I've since come around to thinking it yeah. looks sort of charming. Um, and I also would imagine nice. that. Uh, especially for, like, multiplayer games, it would be useful to have yes. multicolored Joy-Cons. So at some point, when I break down and buy an extra two, which I, get I don't think family. I'm going to do it for Bomberman because initial impressions of that game are not good. Not great. And no. oh, the one-two Switch I can probably get by on the two Joy-Cons that I've got. Probably. Clips is up to four. Mm. Uh, and is cool.
2: But those Joy-Cons so, are expensive is as, as shit. Well, here's the other thing. is You're going to get the red and the blue... And then you're still going to have one red and one blue, Mm. and then you're going to eventually be like, I want another, I want two red, so I can have, like, the double red look, or the two blue. Uh. It's all accessorizing. Like, what what shoes are you wearing today? Are you wearing the shoes that match blue, or the shoes that you know? Like, that's gonna be where we're at. Yeah.
4: So I, you know, I just wear brown shoes. That's all I do. Me too. Me too. I, I think I'm, my shoes match. Brown the... goes with everything. So it turns out. It, I, it turned if I out. could get a wood trim shoe, then, then I'd be then I'd be. Sad. I've started.
2: I've started buying when I have to get, get suits. I get them in a gray that even works with a brown shoe. <laughs> yes. That's, yes. Like, uh, mm, uh, it works. I'm with you. you. Learning to like a brown shoe is like one of those moments of adulthood for me. It was like going from sneakers to brown dress shoes is a lot like getting excited I bought a new comforter. (laughs) Do you know what I mean?
3: (laughs) I get that. I'm
2: like, oh, man, I'm fucking stoked. Like, these shoes look exactly in the middle of casual and professional. (laughs) I'm a fucking adult now.
3: I have never owned brown shoes.
2: I yeah, think it's I think it's, you know. I think it's like a uh, uh like definitely in the world of mask presentation. Sure. It's sure. like you gotta you gotta have your pair of shoes that makes you look like you could either be a lawyer or a cowboy.
3: Okay. Welcome to America. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cowboy
2: Lawyer. Cowboy Lawyer. Yeah. This fall.
4: That seems more like a Netflix show.
2: That's a Netflix show. That's a Netflix show. Did you know that Mm. the original um, Supreme Court justices were, like, traveling judges that would go on horseback to little towns across America to, like, judiciate over local cases? That's amazing. It's so much cooler. It's amazing, actually. They also had a home court in, like dc or whatever but like maybe not dc i don't actually I, philly Might have probably been
3: philly you know, yeah that philly. makes sense um
2: but like that they would go out into virginia or whatever yeah. and be like no give him his pigs just give give the guy his pigs <laughs>
3: this is a supreme court ruling seven pigs seven to mr pigs. johnson please
2: you know like and two people
3: uh, yeah. because america
2: was fucked <laughs> yeah
3: yeah you're not wrong i don't want to laugh
2: That's, at that stop no, making me laugh well, at that he's boom.
3: not wrong you're not wrong
2: mm. Anyway, how's it going? It's really good. Uh, switches out. I, I did a write-up on Zelda, and I, uh, if you're listening to this on the podcast feed, you'll know that I also did a little recorded version of that piece yeah. um, of my like weird non-review. It was a, Writing that was definitely one of those uh, examples of like, man, I'm really glad I don't have to properly review this game. I'm glad I don't have to explain the durability system because... If I was doing a review, I would feel the need to do that. Uh, I don't need to talk at length about the frame rate hitches, which are a real thing in that game, but also never once gotten the way for me. And, like, I don't want to have a paragraph where I have to explain all of
4: that. Yeah, reviews always feel like gifted have to then, like, justifying the things you like that you'd rather just hand wave away. Exactly.
2: And it's just like – and I've written reviews in a bunch of different places that give you different amounts of leeway. Yeah. Right? Like, the GameSpot style of review needs to be very consumer-focused – the the paste style review, let me tell you, can be a complete whatever, whatever you want to do. And, like, the giant bomb is somewhere in, be, in between. Yeah. Jeff and, and everyone there always gave me a lot of leeway to get weirdly personal. But at the end of the day, I still felt like I'm telling you whether or not this is a thing you should buy. Yep. And so I need to I need to address a broad enough audience. Because some people really do care about frame rate hitches. And I get yeah. that, that's, that if you're built that way, if you, like, see that frame rate go like, uh and it, it, like, makes you feel bad – inside you should know that it's like me me and
4: green screens like i am now utterly trained probably from watching a lot of bad uh horror films Mm. like green screens i can see it like i can even in movies that are like clearly spent a ton of of money trying to mask it like i see you green screen
0: you can't hide from me (laughs)
4: And it really bothers me. It takes me out of the movie.
2: <laughs> it's uh, that's you fair. Know, so, have you spent any time with the Switch that Patricia brought home? Not
3: really. I, I watched her play okay. Zelda, and I'm playing on the Wii U. So,
2: how's that difference? Because that's like the big one of the big questions we've been getting a lot yeah. of. Is like how does the Wii U one stack up?
3: I can't exactly tell specific differences at this point. It seems like there's there's definitely frame rate issues in the Wii U version, but I'm also seeing some frame rate issues in the Switch version. Right. So, I honestly don't know if there's like a major performance difference. I am the least Mm -hmm. tech savvy in terms of uh, you know very specific frame rate issues performance issues whether or not the textures are exactly the same that sort of thing so it's nothing that's impacting my enjoyment personally
2: I'm like this is one of those things that's weird is that like I am not a tech person, I like. I understand enough about the technologies of yeah. video games to do the job I do and to have conversations in this space and to be yeah. interested when someone like Cowboy at Naughty Dog talks about like the the technology that goes into making those games look so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm not someone who personal whose personal experience has been. Often impeded by technical hiccups and stuff like that. Like I like a lot of Bethesda games. I just did a guide to games on State of Decay. Like a lot of my favorite games are not don't run great, Um, and so. Uh, you would think that means I just don't care about this at all, but I actually am like eagerly anticipating the Digital Foundry breakdown. Digital Foundry is like a subsection of Eurogamer that is like really tech-focused and do, does these incredible in-depth videos on the differences between the d- different version of the game across console and the other console and PC or whatever. Um, and so I'm really curious to see what that, um, what they end up saying about the Wii U version of the yeah. Switch. Yeah, so I'm curious or, uh, Zelda as well, rather. even though I don't the Wii U version of the Switch. The little, uh, Wii
3: U version of the Switch. Little Freudian slip there. It's
2: all right. You're going to get a lot of Freudian slips when you name your console the Switch. It's just going to happen.
3: It's definitely the territory you're in mm-hmm. at that point. I, I will say that I think the game is awesome. Yeah. You know, uh, I, you've already said that. So, I, you
2: say it now. please. You know, now I'm saying it. Talk to me about your experience. with it so
3: I'm far. very early in. Mm-hmm. I'm only about are a couple you hours in. On I'm the plateau, s- still? I'm still in the plateau. Okay. I've done a couple of the uh, the little shrines that are sort of tutorial shrines. They're they're giving you your runes, which are mm-hmm. sort of like your abilities or your yeah. some of the items like in previous bombs Zelda games. bombs, magnetism, right. you know, that sort of stuff. Uh, I love how it immediately lets you have a lot of freedom. It's not like Link, look look at me. You have to do this. Now you have to do this. Now you have to do this. The way previous games yeah. tutorialized and held your hand and were really frustrating, I think, for return players. Skyward Sword was something like, I, I don't know, a couple of hours of tutorials, and Twilight Princess is infamous for being, like... Four yeah. hours before you were really doing anything, and I think uh,
2: it's—I I got to hour—I got through those first four hours, which Twilight like Princess, and I got to like hour five, and I was so exhausted from those first four, but totally. so I
4: just never came back to it.
3: Totally, which sucks because there's a lot of good dungeons in that. I game, bet but I've heard like that. it. I totally. I would play a it. version of Twilight Princess
4: hours. that just stripped out all that stuff and just like, right. hey, Dungeon, Twilight Dungeon. Princess Dungeons,
3: <laughs> Dun- <Yes>. Dungeon Edition. <laughs> that sounds you know? like
2: Twilight Princess Dungeons is definitely a mobile game with a guy going like on the on the <laughs> art for sure.
3: I you see immediately. I made
2: an ah face. For yeah, people I like that.
3: That was really good. I immediately went all the way for and slip with Twilight Princess Dungeons and Switch and SN uh-huh. and all that. Yeah, and good. I was like, yeah, that's a Zelda game. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway. This is awesome because it allows you freedom to learn the sort of things you need to learn, but without just beating you over the head. With totally. it. it actually feels like you're starting to be able to explore and get that little sense of wonder from from being in this open air adventure.
2: There we go. That's uh, what they call it. The They're box, calling it that.
3: The, on the box, the the genre is open like air it. adventure. I like which is it. Lovely, I just right? completely
2: rolled my eyes at it when it first when I first heard it, but then it's like very Nintendo. And it's, yeah. very, and it's very this game versus previous. I guess like I'm surprised that Skyward Sword wasn't called that. That's literally about flying through flying the air. All the damn time. Um, yeah. But this it feels right for this in yeah. terms of feeling like, you know, and I actually I, I mentioned this to you we did an episode of your other podcast yes. Idol Weekend yes, last we night did. that'll go up sometime this weekend yeah. presumably. Uh and uh on that, I mentioned that one of the things that's really struck me about this game, uh, especially after talking to some other people about it, was the fact that, like, when you add a chunk of the world to your map, when you climb a tower, like you do in every other – game uh, so many other games that have big open worlds. Um, open air. You climb a- open air. have big open air. Uh, <laughs> you – it adds the section, the region, to your map. But unlike most of those other games, it doesn't add – the things that are inside of
4: that space. Like, it doesn't ah. say, oh, well Twelve here-
3: activities. Right. Yeah. It oh, say- I
4: hate that. It drives me up a wall. Right. It makes so, me yeah. wish that I didn't scan the, the area. <laughs> right, totally. It was yeah. like, this, was, this ended up being one of my
2: problems with Horizon, which was not, or not my problems with, one of the things that happened in Horizon that was frustrating to me was I bought a thing those that maps. I thought was. Don't buy the maps. maps. I bought the map because oh. I thought it was for that one region. I was like, oh, I'll buy these maps for this one little area and I'll get to see all the collectibles. And immediately my entire map was covered in Ruins stuff, the and map. No and you can't hide
4: them as far as. No. You can't I can hide tell. them.
2: It's bad. That's, mm. That part's very bad. That's yeah. like, oh, you, this is the first time you've made a game like this. You didn't think about letting me hide different icons. Um, in Zelda, you, in, in Breath of the Wild... It just adds the, like, names, if you zoom in, of specific locations. Like, it'll say, here's Lanayru Peak, here's Hateno Village, like, here's, uh, you know, the Valley of Death or whatever, right? Um, and so you, you walk can then the walk... you know, Okay, well, I heard a rumor from this NPC that there is some sort of weird... Uh, activity happening in the Valley of Death or at the peak of the Lanayru Mountain, I'll set a marker there and I'll start going in that direction. But it doesn't say, here are all the outposts. It doesn't say, here are all the shrines. And so there is this, there is this feeling of self-direction and of like, I'm going to climb a big mountain nearby just so I can get the lay of the land, see what I can see, add stuff to my map, and then go where I want to go. Yeah. So uh. that part of it, then that's the part of it that feels like an open air adventure to me. Is yes. that like, it's, it's, less directed and in the process makes me feel a lot more free but also to your point it's also able to tutorialize you but much more organically i think a lot through the shrines where like yeah. every shrine sort of teaches you a lesson about the game through puzzle design and that's really cool oh it's the best there was an it's example thing.
4: Uh, i saw in one of the reviews i was reading this week where um like there's some puzzle involving a you know i don't want to get too spoiler but like there's, there's a puzzle involving like where you're like you know like moving the switch controller mm-hmm. in order to like move a ball around let's say yeah. and yeah. the reviewer was having i think it was Jason Trier Kotaku, who was yeah. at, mm-hmm. having trouble getting through that and he realized what if i just flipped the switch controller over and yep. then I did the same thing, and so we, that was just that's that how, was a valid way of solving the
2: puzzle and and it was so I used that example last night again on, yeah, on Idol weekend yeah. because I had that exact same thing happen to me with that puzzle where like I even just set the controller down by mistake and realized like oh, wait a sec. wait, can I just, can I just turn <laughs> this whole thing and it felt it reminded me of like um um What's the hotel dusk or something like that in uh, for the oh, for the DS the, when you had to close yeah, the clamshell yeah. of the DS to solve a puzzle? Where it's like, oh man, like you, I don't know if this was intentional or not, but the fact that you're letting me use it this way is really cool. It's so right, and that's
4: if someone has not played uh, Breath of the Wild yet. Yeah, that's like that design ethos, which feels very anti Nintendo, but is very exciting to see them, you know, starting to play with this idea of. Um, like just essentially saying yes to everything and being okay with you bending and breaking their game like there are rules there are there's a structure to it but that in the past they've been happier to kind of funnel you along to what they've designed for you right and in this game the the idea that you can sometimes feel like I shouldn't be doing this and the ga- and maybe you shouldn't but the game is okay with it and the game has yeah. been designed and encourages you to have that feeling which makes you more uncomfortable in a Nintendo game than it would in other games because mm-hmm. that's just not what they do like that's an incredibly exciting prospect not only for this game but that what that possibly means for the future of the Nintendo future. design. Yes. It's, That's exciting.
3: Yeah, it, it it to further the open air analogy, it really does feel like Nintendo has always had like these restaurant experiences or whatever, in mm. an, an indoor theme park or something that is so perfectly controlled and it is a really good experience. It is linear and it has the ups and the downs in places that you like it, but now they're like, no, we're setting this literally in an open air market instead, where you can have all different experiences. That's but the same design ethos went behind it in terms of like having all sorts of different beats and different sort of feelings and different player experience oh, goals, yeah. as I like to say. It's
2: funny that you bring up kind of enclosed theme park design, because I actually think that what Zelda does, what Breath of the Wild does really well, I'm trying to say Breath of the Wild and not just Zelda, yeah, um, yeah. what Breath of the Wild does really well is blends the sort of... It understands that... All right so a conversation I had a conversation once with um, uh, a guy over at Rockstar about the way that they designed Red Dead Redemption um, and that they un- that they reached a point during the development where they realized that there was a big difference between large spaces and open worlds, mm-hmm. and that open worlds to really create something that felt like a world required a very careful uh visual and and kind of architectural design that communicated the sense of scale and scope um to you wherever you were about like the larger space and that connected it in a way that was very careful Um, and i think uh, breath of the wild could have been just a big space game and instead is what this guy who i was talking to at at rockstar shout to simon uh is uh an open world game um and part of that is something that's very theme park driven someone uh, over on twitter um uh charlie uh at charlie on twitter linked me to this great little piece on the theory of theme com oh,
3: about
2: weenies do you know what a weenie is
3: i've heard the term <laughs>
4: (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of ways I can answer that, Austin. Uh I'm going to let you take that.
2: The weenie, this is from the theory of themeparks.blogspot.com. The weenie is an architectural concept named such by Disney Imagineering in describing, quote, visual magnets that draw guests from one area to another. In Disney parks, uh, these are seen everywhere and on every scale. From the turnstiles of the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World Resort in Orlando, Florida, guests are led throughout the park by the draw of weenies. First drawn into the center hub by Cinderella's (laughs) Castle, then from the hub to each of the lands, by gateways that indicate the theme of the land that follows, then within each land to the major attractions by yet another weenie, like Space Mountain's Cone and Spires in Tomorrowland, or the distant peaks of Big Thunder Mountain Railroad in Frontierland. Uh, through these magnets, I don't know why they just don't call them magnets. Yeah. Through these magnets, Disney is able to draw guests to the far reaches of its park and create avenues of predictable foot traffic. um If you're like the sort of The sort of uh, theory around theme parks and mall design and uh, any sort of like consumer space is so really interesting. Like, if you're someone who's into that stuff, I can recommend a book from a a professor I used to have called From Vatican to Vegas, uh, which is like a theory of virtual reality in which he just means constructed spaces. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And and Breath of the Wild is filled with that, or it's designed in that way, where, like, no matter where I look, or no matter where I am, um, I can can either see Hyrule Castle corrupted at the center of the map, or I can see one of the main uh, uh, kind of... Uh, magnets uh one of the main weenies for whatever zone i'm in whether that's a huge natural mountainous tower or a volcano erupting smoke or uh there are some things that are like this that move around in the space actually which i'm not going to talk too much about because my first experience was just incredible and so like those sorts of things are are very carefully handcrafted and make it feel different than playing something like Horizon, which is a game, again, I had primarily really positive time with, but that, you know, they could have made it so that there are a couple of those. There's like a couple of the towers, I think, in the kind of southwestern part of the map that you can see whenever you're down there that work. But by and large, it it doesn't feel super connected because of the shape of the map and and some other things. Um, And so that's one of those ways in which the, the world of Breath of the Wild... I always felt like I knew what place I was in to the point that there were occasionally times where I could just tell you the direction North was at. Like I can get my bearings in this very natural sense based on seeing landmarks out of the corner of my eye.
3: It's, it's really fascinating the way they do that also in theme parks has to do with you have your sight lines, you have your sort of big things that you're looking up at, but also the texture of the ground changes with each land and each zone. And I think that Zelda does that as well, well. That, just sort of seeing, you know, from things you've played and also you know i went to my first snowy zone the other day and it's like obvious it's snow but even as you're sort of in the transition period like there's there's a different type of grass that's a little hardier and then it's mixed in with a little bit of snow and like it does this in a really subtle way but visually it's already sort of priming you to get ready for different mechanics for different things it's so smart i love it it's really really cool
2: Yeah, I, uh, and like, I think that's just one of the things that makes this game really brilliant. Um, if you haven't listened to the, the kind of write up that I did, or if you haven't read it, I am very high on this. It's one of my favorite games, probably in years. I've, I'm having a hard time thinking the last time. Like, the last game that I can say for sure that is like, a fave of mine that's, like, made it into the canon. It was Invisible Ink. And that's such a different game that it's hard to make that comparison, apples to oranges, um, and such a different budget and such a different, like, (laughs) everything about it. It's
4: when you start to think about a game that people are going to make fun of you for bringing up too often, right? Like, that's what happened with me in Spelunky. That's what happened with me in Dark Souls, like where it becomes almost a trope because it becomes ingrained as a type of game that you look to as a touchstone because, like, its design ideas are encompass a lot of what you enjoy about video games totally
2: i mean well and so that's the one of the funny things for me in this game has been seeing it be re- received so well is surprising because i see so many of my personal touchstones in it and that's i mean it's probably the case that everyone who loves it sees their personal touchstones in it uh, you know when i talk to dan reichert about it he says this reminds me of playing uh you know a link to the past for the first time when i talk about it i say oh it's like, far, it's the new Far Cry 2. Yeah! Uh, Patrick, I won't be surprised if you don't see Spelunky in this game, because—so here's a—my friend Jack started playing it last night. He got it on the Wii U, and um, he sent me a message that was this. He said, ha ha ha, wow, Austin, what the fuck? Playing this thing. Explaining Zelda doesn't really cut it, huh? My first combat encounter was just the weirdest, most involved combat I've played in ages. I got chased up a tree. I ran out of weapons and started throwing barrels at the enemies, but the barrels just picked up speed down a hill and fell into a river. One of them set his own— <laughs> sword on fire, um, and then chased me into a tall grass, and then burnt himself alive. Uh, So I took his sword and tried throwing it at the remaining one, who caught it out of the air and killed me with it. What is this game? Austin, Austin, he dropped his club and picked it up, and he screamed and pointed at me like, that's mine. And like, yeah, mm mm-hmm. There's been there was a little video going around this morning of a guy who is running around being chased by moblins, which are some of the or uh, uh, bokoblins, which are like the lowest tier enemy. But even those are split into into different uh, kind of hierarchical categories based on their skin color, like uh, the way people are are separated in the world. Um, There are red ones and blue ones and black ones and silver ones. Mm. Silver. I have to talk about this later, because I think that there is... I actually think that there is secretly a leveling system happening in the game that oh. is behind the scenes in terms of where what enemies are uh, okay. in the world. Um, but the blue ones are the first, like, boss... Becoblins that you fight. The red ones are everywhere, and then there's the blue ones. And this guy's being chased by a red one and a blue one, and he's like getting, um, bombs and dropping them behind him as he's being chased. Uh, and the first time he drops one and it blows up, he knocks the guys away, and then the blue gob, the blue becoblin gets up and starts chasing him again, and he's like, I got you, and he drops the bomb, and he runs away, and he's about to hit the detonate, the detonator, and the becoblin punts it at him and catches him in the back with his own bomb, and it kills him. And it's like, those little moments yeah. are so good and do feel very Spelunky or, like, roguelike in the sense yeah. of, like, everyone's playing with the same rules. And the, it's because of that, you're going to generate really cool stories, you know? <sighs> God, I, I'm yeah. way into this game. Yeah. Um, the secret leveling thing, and I want people to pay attention to this while they're playing, is at the start of the game, the world is clearly broken up into what feels like two tiers of enemy types there's like the regular enemies and then there's the blue there's like the red or whatever green version of the enemies depending on what type of enemy it is and then there's like a slightly higher blue version and then you start seeing these the black versions and now I'm going back through earlier areas and I'm starting to see silver versions of enemies mm. and and but this isn't a game with there's no strength stat. Right. There is your equipment which gives you like the damage that you do and the the like the um the damage you can take. There are hearts and stamina meters that you can increase through doing shrines and trading in the currency you get from that for more hearts and more stamina. And I don't know if that's how it's doing it, but I'm I'm it feels like it knows I've leveled up, yeah. which is which is weird when the leveling isn't there isn't a strength it's meter. It isn't apparent to you. Right. Or like yeah. it's just I happen to have good weapons right this second. Um, so I'm curious. Someone, someone will break that down at some point. I'm sure.
3: Yeah, analysis.
2: Uh, so yeah, that's that's Zelda, and I actually want to come back to Zelda in a second. Um, I, I we're gonna have a very quick guest, uh, but I don't know if he's if he's ready to come through quite yet.
3: Uh, when he comes through, we'll know.
2: We will know when he comes through. It's
3: gonna be like a surprise. The systems will interact in such a way. Uh,
2: it'll be,
4: it's a shock. be a
3: surprise. <laughs> you know
2: what I'm saying? Um, are you uh, so? What else do you have coming for the Switch?
4: That's it. I'm not. I can't justify fifty dollars for one two switch. But we'll see how I feel after a couple of beers tonight. Fifty is a lot. Yeah, good. Do you have any people coming over? I, my, my wife and child.
3: Oh yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a one two switch
4: party. That's uh, really yeah. I just. I can't. Fifty dollars uh-huh. is a lot of money. It's a lot of money. But mm-hmm, there's a lot of sunk cost into this thing I've already purchased. So what's another fifty dollars? I can't. Because I'm <laughs> oh, sure it'd no. be fun. I just totally. I wish it was. I wish it was 30 bucks. I wish it was 30 bucks. I'm going to
2: pivot really quick. Our friend Jason from from Motherboard is here. Hi, my Waypoint brethren. You can't hear Patrick because you don't have headphones on, but that's okay. Uh, Jason Kobler? Kebler Kebler Kebler, yeah I don't know how it's an OE situation I don't know I don't know
1: I don't care at this point It's it's. I'll take Keb- whatever
2: Alright, you
1: know? yeah we're, we're splitting the mic really quick because we're going to do a, a hot a hot pod drop Yeah, we're doing a promo effort here Yeah Very excited You
2: you at Motherboard you guys already have uh, Motherboard Radio Motherboard Radio Motherboard are Radio a, Yeah, I know You're Very interesting Very
1: creative of you guys well, we, you know,
2: we really <laughs> thought about it really long and hard and yeah. then it just kind of came to me in my sleep uh, yeah. I think and I was like Oh yeah, that's it
1: Yeah, it's kind of the same deal with us when we were coming up with uh, Radio Motherboard. So Radio Motherboard is our podcast that's kind of like this, where we sit around and talk about technology Mm -hmm. and the future. Uh, It's very fun to do sort of a hangout like this, but uh, we also send reporters out into the field quite often, and we had no outlet for that in audio form. So we just launched a brand new podcast called Plus Plus Podcast. It's a good name. It is a good name, but it's also a problematic name in that... It's all one word spelled out because searching for plus plus is very difficult. Like if you put plus signs, nothing comes up. But I like the name when you say it out loud. It's good P's good yeah. plosive exactly. sounds Exactly, yes. So there's the yeah. alliteration aspect there. So it's plus plus podcast, all spelled out one word. But if you search plus plus, nothing comes up. Okay. So um, you'll get there. Yeah, so you'll now, get there. So for now, plus
2: plus yeah. podcast, yeah. that's on Google Play, that's on iTunes. Yeah,
1: all podcast apps. I haven't even told you what it's about. What but, is yeah. You
2: told me that reporters go into the field.
1: Yeah, so we send people all over the world to do stories. We do video stories. We do reports on our website. Uh, but we haven't... Like, when we're out in the field, there's often interesting sounds, interesting stories to tell, and we haven't done, like, a produced podcast of that sort of stuff. So, for instance, so this is a much more produced, edited podcast that tells, like, narrative stories of people who are changing the world. Uh, You know, people—our first story is about a hacker in Canada who was killed by the Canadian police under very mysterious circumstances. Um, There's a crossbow involved. Uh, There's a bit of racism involved, which is sort of problematic. Um, So that's a really interesting story. That's our first episode, and it dropped today. Um, Next week, I went to this electronics recycling center in Texas Mm -hmm. to find out what happens to our old TVs. So if you're is the story it, depressing? It's super depressing. Yeah, they're oh, all—they're yeah. not all depressing, <laughs> but the first two episodes yeah, are, are kind of depressing. Yeah, plus, plus, is depressing cat. I got depressing. you. I got you. Right. Yeah. 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 There's a preview of the first four episodes because the first two are quite depressing, but then we have some uplifting <laughs> ones. So I wanted to be like, hang with us. You know, we're going to tell a story of like this uh, group that's lobbying for the right to repair iPhones, game consoles. Um, there's a huge awesome. push right now to. Uh, all around the country to uh, enshrine the right to repair. So require Sony, Microsoft to sell right. replacement parts, and they're lobbying pretty hard against it. But there's this group of grassroots independent repair people who are going all around the country and pushing for that legislation. So I got to like embed with this lobbying effort, which usually you hear like lobbying is bad thing, but <laughs> it is kind of interesting when you have a group of like 10 people who are just like you and me going to their local state congressman and saying we need this right i don't want to buy
2: a new xbox one just because my old xbox one broke i want to be able to repair this thing that seems like it's my right as a consumer let me do that and and there are people in the games industry who are lobbying against that and trying to make that less legal and yeah
1: so the esa is pushing against it um the entertainment software industry, which includes like Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft, a lot of the publishers mm-hmm. as well. Um, and the argument here is that they like to repair their own things. So right. if they can monopolize repair. Yeah. yeah, exactly.
2: So we'll hear a so, clip of that uh, uh, right now, and we'll be right back. Yeah.
1: Hey, loyal Motherboard fans, this is Jason Kebler. You might know my voice from Radio Motherboard. And I'm
5: Ankita Rao. I'm an editor here at Motherboard.
1: And today we're very proud to give you a short preview of a new podcast we've got called the Plus Plus Podcast. That's plus plus, all one word. So how is this any different from Radio Motherboard?
5: This is the first podcast that takes us out of the studio and on the road. And in these first few episodes, we send our staff to Canada, India, and Texas to tell you about the people and the machines that are shaping the future.
0: Wow, Texas. Who went there? I have no idea. It- For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit JDPower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or SleepNumber.com.
1: Was me. The bravest one <laughs> of us all. <laughs> Our first episode is launching on Friday. Our Canadian reporter Jordan Pearson tells us about the mysterious death of hacker Sam Maloney.
5: How did a quiet, talented computer programmer
4: who was going back to school as a mature student end up dead?
1: when the first shot hit him it hit him in the chest and then they shot him in the face why would they shoot him in the face after he's already on the floor in a sitting position does that even make sense he's he's sitting on the floor in a sitting position looking as if he's dead or out of it right and yet they shot him in the face What well, that sounds like an execution to me
5: Motherboard Features Editor Brian Anderson learns what's holding back smart gun technology from making our guns safer.
1: Do you
2: sell any smart guns in this shop? No, there is no such thing as a smart gun. If there is a device of any kind that would be put onto a firearm in the defense of your life and it fails, then there is no use to have that device. It just will not work. So there's nothing
5: that they can do with smart gun technology that would convince me that it would be good.
1: I went to an electronics recycling center in Dallas, Texas, to learn what happens with our old televisions. This is 380 pounds, or 300, sorry, 340 pound TV. One of the things that I, why I'm interested in this is people don't think about what happens to their old things. Is it a dangerous job? It seems like it might be. If you don't dismantle that
3: CRT tube the right way and hit that yoke the right way, it can explode. I
5: traveled to garment factories in India to find out if automation could actually work here. How many uh, garments are produced here every day? 950?
2: 950?
0: No, per, no, no, per day,
2: total yeah. 4,500. Oh my god. 4,000 to 5,000 pieces per day we are. <laughs> yeah. And
0: I got a
1: behind-the-scenes look at the group that's lobbying for the right to repair.
3: When we get in front of legislators now, we say, it doesn't matter what it is. If it has a chip in it, it's a problem. Uh, so it doesn't matter if it's a baby monitor or refrigerator, a cell phone, or tractor. It's the chip that is giving manufacturers an intrusion into your property rights.
1: Yes, this is a preview of Plus Plus Podcast. It's going to be coming out this Friday, the first episode with Sam Maloney and Jordan Pearson. It's Plus Plus Podcast, all spelled out and one word. You can find it on iTunes and any other podcast app. Anything else?
5: Nope, that's it. See you in the
2: future.
1: See you in the future. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Thank you so much, Austin totally. Danielle, for having me here. up yeah, here, Twitch. Hi, Twitch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, And, yeah, you can find us at Motherboard if you're not already. Uh, what, on what's that the train. what's the URL? What's the URL? So motherboard.vice.com. Uh, we're at Motherboard on Twitter, and then the- do you have any dope? Do you have any dope like vanity URLs? No, we, have- we don't. Really? I, I've always wanted one. We've wanted uh, motherboard.diamonds for oh, a while. Oh, you should get that. Yeah. Oh. yeah so. We have a bunch. TK, TK. I, well, listen, you I'm, I'm, you have to, oh, Motherboard.tv, is motherboard.tv an yeah, way. works. There you yeah. go. Oh, there right, you so we go. have waypoint.zone. Zone. Okay. We have good. new.donk.city. Oh my god, you have new donk city. New
2: We got DigitalPyramids.com. uh shout out to Creamy Chief roll, Chief. roll. Creamy wor- you've heard of crunchy roll. We're creamy roll. Okay, okay. Um, there's a bunch of them.
3: We have a few. There's Bazinga a
2: bunch dot of them. Bazinga.zone. Bazinga.zone. Oh, nice. Yeah. All good the ones. Good ones. Not to,
1: like, overstay my welcome, but what's the what's the word on the Switch? We, we, you're going like to have to it. listen to in the last it? 25 right. minutes okay. of this okay. podcast. Obviously, this I assume that. It's right pretty cool. Yeah. It's like, have you gotten I played it, yeah, okay. I played it. I just meant, like, what's the word on the Twitches? Like... I, I think I people <laughs> are on – on the Switches,
2: yeah. I think people right now are so stoked on, on Zelda yeah. that it's hard to get a general vibe around the Switch stuff. They did just come out and announce some uh, big uh, independent titles over the next couple of months that they're going to be dropping. Relationships with some smaller independent publishers and developers. And so that has given it a little bit of a shot in the arm in terms of feeling like there are going to be things to play over the next six months. Yeah. But we'll still see. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm anxious to see Nintendo's return to glory. I think the Switch looks awesome, so I, I'm really rooting for the. This
2: are console. you guys doing uh, a lot of switch uh, A, a lot, lot of Switch, switch, stuff con, on, um, switch content. Switch hashtag tent.
1: So <laughs> I think uh, we might do a rights repair type one today because okay. iFixit's going to do a teardown later today. Ooh. So we're going to see where possible like failure points are. See how easy it is to repair, which <laughs> obviously isn't. Um, yeah, core right to yeah. It yeah. does tie in. It's my new obsession. Is right to repair situation yeah. like, so awesome. i'm just hitting it from all angles so uh, motherboard.tv
2: motherboard.vice.com for all of that and plus plus podcast on whatever it is you listen to podcasts
1: yeah right. and if you like hearing us ramble the other one is radio motherboard which yep, we just, still have uh-huh. so, i've, been, I've yeah. been on that show you Danielle been, has been, been. You talked True. about mario which yeah, we is coming did. for you waypoint goddamn oh goddamn
2: <laughs> oh. God all
1: right thank you peace right.
3: thank you jason
2: All right. I think with that we should we should look at some some emails. Yeah,
3: let's look at that question bucket. Let's take a little dip.
2: Well, actually, I'm going to start with something. I'm going to start with I'm going to start doing the thing that the internet. The internet. The internet has always told me not to do something. Yeah. Just feed the trolls. Yeah. And well,
3: sometimes sometimes there's an interesting troll situation.
2: An interesting troll situation. Yeah. Sometimes
3: it's more like you give. (laughs) You an give,
4: ITS, like, as they call it. Ah, I see. You
3: know, an ITS, like like an olive branch to a particular type of person who might be trolling, but also maybe there's something something to talk about.
2: Yeah. So, last week Danielle brought to my attention that we had a question in the bucket. I'm talking about the first one here, actually, which was this came in from from Jonathan from Massapequa. Long Island. Now that I now that I've realized that he's from Massapequa, I can picture him so much more clearly as someone who went to school out on Long Island. I have a certain Long Island like
3: there's, there's a, a certain attitude. There's a certain there?
2: attitude yeah. there. Yeah, uh, it's a northeastern yeah. attitude, really. Like this totally. is a, like there's a very Jersey dude v- version of this. There's a not far off dude, of Rhode
3: Island, Rhode, Rhode Island, Boston, up. like yeah, that, yeah, there yeah. is a
2: version of this. Uh, I'm not going to read this whole first email, but basically, it's it says non Zelda fans actually exist, and this was in response to uh, this is this is actually may have come out before we even did that first Zelda cast, Patrick, because his question was basically. Um, my question is, to whoever is re- reviewing Breath of the Wild, are you going to review the game on its actual merits and recognize that people who have never played a Zelda game and or have no interest in Zelda probably won't like it or, can't, or can find uh, what it offers in other better-made games, i.e. The Witcher or, or Horizon Zero Dawn? This is before Horizon came out, by the way. Um, <laughs> or are you going to be subjective and assume everyone on Earth is slash always has been a Nintendo fan just like you and should go play it because of your personal nostalgic feelings? It goes on like this. And this was like... Okay, I'm not gonna. I'm hmm. not even gonna. Yeah. And then, and then after we did that podcast, and after we did the podcast in which I was kind of saying, "Here is why uh, Breath of the Wild appeals to me in a way that Horizon Zero Dawn didn't as much." Again, I liked Horizon, but nowhere near as much as I like Breath of the Wild. John Sand. John wrote in John's name. I don't know what. It, who could say John, what I just said?
3: John. Anything.
2: John said. John Snow. John Snow said it's actually a really good uh euphemism for what his real name is i know john snow wrote in to say uh (laughs) sorry now i'm thinking of game of thrones jokes i'm not going to do it."
3: And he can't. I am. He knows uh, nothing.
2: Just want to say I love you guys, but it was comical the way that you've compared Horizon to Zelda. Horizon Zero Dawn is a far superior game to Zelda Breath of the Wild in every way. You guys went on there for a while and the podcast acting like Zelda is somehow better, but I'm sorry. It's not even close. A simplistic kitty game that looks like it's from five years ago <laughs> isn't even in the same class as a mature <laughs> and complex masterwork that raises the bar on graphics and moves games forward as a whole like Horizon. Get off your nostalgia horses and come back to reality.
1: Yeah. Zelda, s-
2: Zelda sucks. <laughs> Zelda has always sucked. It never innovates. It never pushes the envelope. It never does anything gamers haven't seen before. It never, raises, it never raises the bar. Horizon is fresh, original, and easily one of the best games of this generation. Funny how you have all these criticisms for Horizon Zero Dawn and none for Breath of the Wild, even though it's painfully obvious which is the better game. Typical Zelda fanboys wearing blinders, acting like other games are flawed, but this one is perfect because it's called Zelda. Uh, the subject, by the way, was HZD's greater than BOTW.
3: Now, um, no. first Thanks, thing Game we should Facts. point out: first thing we should point out, this was before either of these games was available to purchase. Yep, this came out before uh, this person could ever play. Either of these games. Right. So that's, that's a very important point to make here, I think. It's,
2: uh, well, I so think right, that's the thing. I think we can we can, we can can engage on this on that level where I can be like...
3: I just think it's important context. It is important
2: context. And we that's could all. take this argument apart from a billion different ways. We could talk about how it sounds like a game facts post from 1999. We could, there's a lot of ways to go here. Um, the thing that I did at that point was like, who is this person? Anyways, the thing I did here was like, I'm baffled on posting this on Twitter. And the second I did that, I had that second thought, which is like, hmm... I didn't. I didn't post his name or email. There was no doxing involved. I just kind of posted the text, um, and and. Uh, the second thing I have, whenever I call somebody out on Twitter, whenever I dunk on anybody on Twitter, I then immediately feel a little bit guilty. Um, so I was like, "Who is this? Who is this guy?" And so I searched our Twitter history, or our sorry, our uh, our mail history, and I realized he'd written to us back in February in this really nice letter about about uh, how good the Double Fine Adventure uh, documentary is, and yeah. how much he loves Breath of or not of the Wild, if only Brutal Legend, and how much he loved that you wrote, wrote about Brutal Legend, yeah, and and. It, the thing in my mind was, like, what happens? How did you go from being this person who was so affable towards us and who who enjoyed our work? Like, I, I think that there is a there is often it is often the case that what we do is we dismiss any sort of trolling.
4: I got it. As,
2: yeah, you got it. Did you just switch
4: or I just got Zelda? Switch. So now Zelda's irrelevant. Zelda's coming. You're going to Zelda.
2: All right. So my question ended up being, like, hey, how do you go from... Someone who writes us these nice letters to someone who is like attacking our credibility. Um, because I think there is this conversation that we have often that is like just don't feed the trolls, don't engage with them. They there's the assumption, and often it's true, often it's a correct assumption that they're just trying to get a rise and don't have there's no there, there, that there's no like actual person behind it. There's just or no
3: or no like value to what they're saying right. or X, Y, and Z, they're that just, sort of thing.
4: There's just they're just. Like, trying to get your goat. And yet, um, I've had some of the most fascinating conversations with those very people. Right. Which is, yes. so, as you're to get to, something changes, yeah. not with all of them, not but even often. with most of them, but with some of them.
2: So Jon Snow uh, then messaged me, sent another mail to, to gamingadvice.com, which is where you can send your questions for the question bucket. And he said, geez, Austin, you really put me on blast there on Twitter, <laughs> lol. Uh, I definitely came across like an immature jackass, so I guess I deserved that. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not at all like that. I just want to clarify my intentions. And then there's this long email that's just like, you know, I've, play, I, I've played a bit of Zelda on a friend's advanced review copy and didn't care for it. I've played some Horizon. All, I've been playing it all day.
4: He wrote the email the, he should have written in the first place.
2: <laughs> right. Um, yeah. uh, you know, I, was, I just thought if I was more extreme and hyperbolic, it was more likely to incite a guttural response and get talked about. There it, there it is. is. There it is. There it is. I, that's the line. There it is. So yes, I was kind of trolling you. There's no reason that both games can't be great, which is what Rami Ismail responded to when he saw this post or uh, uh, responded with. Um, judging by the comments, I think I think um, I knew it would piss people off if it got mentioned. Judging by the comments, I think it did. And many people point out how ridiculous it is to make statements like that, which I totally agree with. I like to play the devil's advocate a lot and maybe sometimes I take it too far. I'm sure if I really gave Zelda a chance, I'd like it. It's just not <laughs> as appealing on the surface to someone like me with no history with the franchise. Plus, I find it hard to justify buying a concert to play one game, so maybe it really is a bit of FOMO, subconsciously coming out—it's uh, fear of missing out. Yeah. Um, sorry again for the stupid trolly emails, and so then I was like, "All right, I got you now." Like, now, now we're, we're going to talk. we're going to talk. talk
3: like grownups. Um, we're going to sit down
2: and, I, and talk. And I went on to basically say, like, it's really frustrating to have you mischaracterize us, blah blah blah, uh, and then and then just like we got to a point where where I just kind of tried to dig in to get at like what where did this come from, like why the I get why you. I get the trolling part of it is the attention wish, but why is it that you get so riled up about Zelda in specific? Um, and that's, he ends up he ends up saying that it's, um, I'm going to read this final message from him from three days ago, uh, I guess it's because of my personal taste that I don't get excited for a game like Zelda, because I'm more into games with mature themes and graphics tech that blow me away, but I'm not going to dump on him for, for his personal taste he if has. he's framing it in that yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so when I see a game like Zelda that looks like it's intended for a younger audience, nothing wrong for the, with that it's just not for me, uh, I also don't think it's true, but whatever, and resembles several other cel-shaded games from years past with the same themes of saving the princess and defeating the even Ganondorf I get annoyed by the excitement in, uh, it garners. I can't help but think you get excited for this, but what about that? People go nuts for Zelda, but not for some other games that are great. So it could just be a manifestation of my anger towards the whole gaming community for championing certain games and not ones I personally think are more deserving of an accolade. But then that's the problem with thinking like that. It really is Subjective, and when you stop to think about it, you don't want to be the guy raining on someone else's parade. So I realize it's wrong, but it still irks me because popular opinion can tarnish one game's reputation and exalt another's. So it almost feels like it's personal and makes me want to lash out. It's a really stupid way to think. But yeah, it, it is. Um, but also, for me, the kind of greater question here and the thing that I want to talk about with you both is uh, I've been this dude at that first level of, like, why aren't people talking about the game that I think is cool? Yeah. I don't then do the thing he did, right. but I have that impulse, right? Like, you're talking to someone who – you you say Spelunky all the time. I say Far Cry 2 all the time. I say Dragon's Dogma. Those are games that have gotten dumped on, and, and if I was more like him, I would be sending letters like that around when Far Cry 2 came out. I'd be saying, Call of Duty? Call, of, Why would you write about Call of Duty when you could be writing about Far Cry 2, which is clearly a superior game? Have you seen the fire tech? The fire goes <laughs> Maybe everywhere. Maybe you immature. can't get Malaria in Call of Duty. You can't get You're just an immature jingoist. That's what I probably actually wrote. At <laughs> that would point. be
4: your academic uh, Yeah, assault. exactly.
2: Immature um, jingoist. And so I guess my question is, like, how do we... As adults, I think the thing isn't necessary that we stop having irrational negativity about things. It's that we maybe can see it in ourselves more. Yeah. How do you handle that and like have that diehard brand loyalty without coming off like an asshole?
3: <laughs> well, we I have, think... well, I
4: think you have those other emails, right? Like, like, right. The, like that the conversation that you know, like is realizing that. It's not about brand loyalty for this person or for often right. when this stuff comes about. It's <laughs> this guy isn't, from what we can tell, a Sony Defense Force guy, right? Right. Like, and there are those people, like yes. um. But even those people that are that way, often it's 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 the. This doesn't just happen in video games. Like, go read, you know, yeah. d- d- you know, discussions about comics, or you know, you know, go look at the way that people talk about, you know, like the DC comics films versus the Marvel films and you'll see very similar like heated personal discussions where people drag and mix like their corporate uh you know, like preference with like personal <laughs> insults um but I think I don't know if you can necessarily prevent it as much as like talk like try and look at why you're having that response like and are there more productive ways to express that which is you know, like, you can just go talk to people that like Zelda about why you like Horizon, I guess, if you want to convert them. But this idea of, like, screaming and being incendiary in order to gauge a response, I, it says more about you as a person and, like, why do you need, well, I guess it's like, why do you need the validation of others? Like, uh, but you want the validation because to you, more games will get made like that um, if people are talking about, like, that thing that you like and so if they aren't talking about that thing that you like they won't make more of that thing that you like so the reason the, the, the fact that people are talking about the other thing that you don't like bothers you because well you don't want them to make more of that
2: right well that's that's the thing that's like i think one of the things for me is is to try to have a wider view on what the landscape is like um it turned out I don't know. Maybe I'm. I'm still kind of mixed on this. Which is that like the reason? One of the reasons I'm excited about Breath of the Wild is that it feels like it has justified in a weird, irrational way my taste in games like Far Cry (laughs) Two and Dragon's Dogma and and systems interaction. Or
4: there's also like what's exciting about it for like folks is that is that it it packages it in a way that makes it approach like Far Cry Two. Look, I like that game. I I I appreciate it it more than I like it. Um, but. Like, it is not approachable. Like, it is it is, it is deeply – it is a tough game to sell to a lot of people. But its idea – I've always really respected its ideas more than – like, I beat that game. And I was like, right. yeah, I re-, like, I love when people talk about it. I love the stories from it. But, like, come on. Like, it's it, – let's also put in this discussion that's a tough game to get into. Yeah, uh, totally. And what Zelda and so does is, the is like, packages together. those ideas and both validates – your excitement for Far Cry 2 but also allows people to be kind of yes. tricked into enjoying it in a way that they wouldn't have through Far Cry 2 itself.
2: I think Horizon also does that for the record, which is yeah. like it, – it, it brings – it really simplifies some of the like, oh, I know how that monster works stuff from Monster Hunter. Um, it brings out some of the trap laying stuff from other more intense games, stuff like that. Um,
3: I want to. Yeah, I want to briefly say there was research done and it was published. I forget if it was the New Yorker, the New York Times, one of the big publications posted about this that people get pleasure from reading things that validate their opinions. Right. Like we actually get literal pleasure from from feeling like oh, a smart person is in agreement with mm-hmm. me, and I think that fuels. All of this, I think that psychologically speaking, people—and this this goes for political opinions, this goes for you know uh, entertainment and art and and sports and everything else. Like we fundamentally, our brains are designed in a pretty crappy way that makes us really want to either really really agree with people or really really disagree with people. Hmm. And I think the technology that we have currently just Enhances that in a lot of ways. And culturally, uh, the way we're divided in certain ways enhances that in certain ways. So I, I think this is like another symptom of a much wider thing where people really, really feel so incredibly personally impassioned about things that really.
2: Do you feel that way ever? Of course. What's like the thing for you yeah. that gets you like riled up in that way?
3: I mean, like, Outside I, have, of I politics. have those games. As right. well, like I have those opinion. I I've had this opinion. This is something that I have tried to be not shitty about. But mm-hmm. like, I've had a long struggle with understanding pro wrestling sure. as like a super MMA fan, as somebody who trains in martial arts, who likes Greco-Roman and freestyle wrestling. I'm training in that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't dislike in any way professional wrestling. I just have not been in the oh I get it. Like I haven't had my oh I get it moment yet. With you it?
2: need the Breath of the Wild of professional wrestling. I need wrestling. a Breath of the Wild of <laughs> professional
3: wrestling. But, like, I, I do think I'm different in that I don't just dismiss it and say, like, that's shitty. That's for babies. That's but there's for definitely, idiots.
2: I, I, I mean, for what I it's worth. I feel worse, like an
3: outsider I've for it. I've seen
2: you transition from being more like yeah. that's for babies yeah. to – because, like, there's a version of that that's, like, a little passive-aggressive, which is, like –
1: Yeah.
2: I thought you were smarter than that. <laughs> like, which isn't a thing you've said specifically, but there was definitely there was definitely a type of Twitter person sure. who, like, I don't get why all these people I respect likes this thing that I don't like. Yeah. And there's, like— That's fair. And I've seen you move from That's that very style yes. to a more, like, oh, it's stunts. It's like, their stunt people. It's a stunt, people. stunt
3: show, and that's super rad, and, right. like, I get it on that level. Like, maybe it's not my thing. Right. But I think that's cool. Right. Like, I think it's You should cool watch sense. Lucha
2: Underground. I think that's the... People <laughs> ...the of the wild. <laughs> One of
3: these days I will.
2: Because it really leans into the soap opera nonsense. Good. There's a monster. There's a man who can turn into a I phoenix. Just,
3: I just... Can't, like, the fighting itself doesn't excite me, but, like, I think the characters and the soap opera aspects
2: might. Dario Cueto uh, yeah. has a temple devoted to wrestling. Good. It's a temple. It's an ancient temple. And that's of amazing. Wrestler. That's all Dario Coelho has a all temple. All right, I going to have to watch that. All right, I'm going to go back in the question bucket and I'm going to just dig I'm just digging all in right. and uh, it seems like we have a question about about destiny here. From something Joel. Something say Destiny? Also, Joel. Joel,
3: oh. Joel showed up. Hey, Joel. What's
2: this question from Destiny in our bucket, Joel? Where is it? It's yours. This is a bit. I'm doing a bit this in is which a bit. you're the I'm question. I'm inside
3: a
5: bit. I,
2: okay. So here's the bit. The bit is that a second ago I messaged you and I said, "Yo, come in and do a live email about Destiny and being mad about <laughs> Destiny in like five, and then you came in and didn't do the bit.
3: Oh,
5: I unbitted the bit.
3: Here's oh, the bit. you unbitted it. What's the
2: bit?
4: Okay. So Hey before you do your bit, I forgot I have an interview to do in like fifteen minutes. So I'm gonna we're gonna wrap. I'm gonna preempt. okay, we can wrap or I can preemptively leave. Whatever you want to
2: do. We're gonna all right, Patrick's gonna leave. Thank you, Patrick. Patrick Klepik on on Twitter. Peace. What's it say?
5: Destiny one power, possessions and eververse, which is their in game currency for real money. Items will not carry forward. However, they will remain accessible to you in Destiny 1. That's nice that you're going to leave them available to the game that you're moving on from. Um, Because the other alternative in that sentence would be, you know, we're just going to delete all of your Destiny 1 information. Wait,
2: so what is staying? All right, so the, the setup here is that Bungie made an announcement today that was, hey... At some point, a sequel to this game is coming, and the bulk of your stuff is not coming forward.
5: Yeah, we know. Can I read a little bit? Yeah, Should please read just read. Because yeah, I'm reading this live. This is the bit. It's a live is, read. is me reacting to this. Because I got a, a group text from my Destiny crew that was like, uh, what the fuck? Um, we know you've grown fond of the guardians you created, so we do plan to preserve your character personalization. We are going to recognize the dedication and Passion You've shown for this world, specifically the class, race, gender, face, hair, and marking selections for all of your characters that have achieved level 20 and completed the Black Garden story mission will carry forward. We also plan to award those veteran accounts with honors that reflect Destiny 1 accomplishments. But what they're not carrying forward is all of your weapons, mm-hmm. all of your, I believe, items that... Exotic items, the crazy quest you went on. There was one that took us like two days of trying. Something. Right, because like
2: the background here is how many hours do you have in Destiny? I last
5: I checked, it was like fourteen hundred. Oh. oh
2: my god! <laughs> oh, um. Oh. So that is uh fifty eight days. No, don't do the math. Not fifty eight days. So here's the thing: I, I like to do sometimes. <laughs> That's fifty-eight. That's twenty-four fifty-eight days of hours, not fifth not like so. If I divided fourteen hundred in by by, let's say eight, which is like eight, it's one hundred and seventy-five days in work which you put dates. eight, like work days. Yeah. yeah.
5: What's fourteen hundred times sixty? How many
2: minutes? Oh, I see. That's scary.
3: Your destiny of minutes.
2: Eighty-four thousand minutes. Holy God. This is Joel Fowler. By the way, we didn't do a good job of introducing you. Joel Fowler, the publisher of Waypoint. Uh, We make the content. You make it so that we can make the content. Yep. Uh, And when you're not doing that, you're apparently putting 1,400 hours into Destiny, which is now going to not be there anymore. How does that make you feel?
5: So it's... Okay, this is the 10-year game, right? This is the... You know, everything that you do in this game will be part of this extended journey. So... On one hand, for new players, if you're just coming into Destiny, it's great. For old players, like,
2: it's, it could go either way. Like So a thing that's weird for me about this, I'm just going to hold this like the handy, like the hand mic now. <laughs> this is my new look. Oh, shit, I fucked up and closed your Chrome? Your Chrome? No, what are you on? Oh, Where God. was that? Whoa, I, I lost your, your – okay. there we go. So here's the thing that's weird about this is it says um, – we um class, race, gender, face, hair and marking selections. Class uh,
3: race, gender, face.
2: Hair and marking. Hair almost and marking. almost, almost uh, that.
5: Facial so
2: like it's literally they could have done the thing where they're like, we're gonna end your character like your character is gonna like sunset. We're right. gonna like they're gonna ride off into the distance with the guardian or like they're gonna be killed in a cool activity. But no, like you're the same person. You're the same digital guardian.
5: But the character creation screen in Destiny, it's so simple, right? Yeah. So it's basically, it would take you five minutes to recreate your characters, and that's what's carrying over. Right, like, I mean, that's not the part I need. And
2: also, like, what if, that just for me feels like a waste of an opportunity to where they could do something cool, where they, like, do something narratively so that you have to play a new character. And that would, to me, somehow weirdly justify it diegetically in my mind.
5: Almost more than this. Now it's like, here's the same person.
2: Without all of the experience, without all of the grip, I don't have the what's the hawk moon? Like all my shit is just going to be gone. It's gone,
5: it's gone. So, um, I I have a group of four friends that play Destiny, right? Um, Five Destiny friends. Our, our our crew. Yeah. Okay. We have to add two for the fire team. Yeah. But half of them said I don't think I'll be playing two. Half of them said I'm wow. a- I'm excited for like, rebalancing it, and then and then one person was like, well, I guess now's the time to, like, switch over to PS4 because all of our characters were in an Xbox and we got everything a year
2: late. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that as, <laughs> like, this is an opportunity for you to jump ship. Right. I wonder also huh. if this is going to hit PC this year or this, this time. Oh, that's,
5: God. That's been something that everyone's asked for. Um, it doesn't really affect me because my only PC at home is a not capable of running anything more than Hyperlight Drifter, but you know, it's I all you need I, I don't know. I I think it's it's probably good to start fresh. I haven't played Destiny really since we launched. Like I yeah. haven't really played it, you know, and we've had such a heavy cycle of games. I I don't know how I feel, but I, I feel like they could do a better job of carrying over Something that merits all the time you put in, whether it's a unique item that you got because you've got the Gallarhorn or because you've got the Good Gallahorn, however you want to pronounce it. <laughs> um, but I, I just think it's like, they're, I think they're acknowledging a lot of the mistakes that they've made in the first couple of years by wiping. Like, you don't wipe if your in-game currency and systems are perfect. Like, you just
2: don't need to wipe. Right. Well, like, part of the problem that they kind of cite in this piece is, or in this letter is... Hey, it's really hard for new players to start playing. Have you played any?
3: Oh God. So me and Destiny have this hilarious history where I've played it like three or four times now and I don't remember a single second of it. Like and and I'm not trying to be an asshole Mm -hmm. about that. Like I'm really not. It just I I just haven't clicked. It didn't connect, you know? And again, this is not me being like, Well, what's wrong with you if you don't like it? I just I just it just hasn't clicked for me. Right.
2: This is the pro wrestling. There's video.
3: no destiny judgment in this room. None.
5: The last thing I'll say is the Eververse items. They're saying those are not gonna carry over, right? Those are customizable items that have no effect on your character strength or any of that stuff. That's so just,
2: like, the glow and glow stuff like that. stuff,
5: emotes, custom gun skins. Also stuff you could buy with real money. That's all, all, most Eververse currency items. Like, every now and then you would do something that would give you some Eververse currency. But most Eververse currency items you paid for with real money. So that's saying all the emotes. Like, being able to do the running man after finishing a raid. Um like, all of that oh, yeah. stuff doesn't affect your skill. That these. doesn't, like, affect new players being able to get into the game. So you're essentially wiping everything that people have
2: purchased. That's the stuff. That's the one that bugs me the most, I think, is, like, please, I spent money on this dance. Like, I spent money on this dope sparrow skin or whatever.
5: Yeah, I want to do the Running Man after finishing a raid. Right. And I paid money for that. And now it... God damn it. Now you can You have to do
3: it in real life now. Yeah.
2: Well, that's that's a given. Yeah, he does that already. He's
3: already doing that, but he wants his character to do it too. I understand. I understand.
2: We're gonna have to pay attention and see what comes next for Destiny Joel. I'm, I'm sure when it's time for uh when's Destiny two or the sequel to Destiny gets announced, you will be on the front lines letting we'll us talk. know. We'll
3: talk. It, it just excited. seems weird to say the sequel to Destiny. Destiny feels like such a end all concept. It's like sequel to Omega. Like we're we right. Omega Two. Like, Omega,
2: Omega Infinity.
3: Omega infinity would, zero dawn. Right, I, right. 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 Like WOW two. Right. You know? Right. Like, right. Like, Earth 2. Earth but,
2: but the thing to think the a thing to think about is just like I do have a lot of faith that Destiny Two is whatever that's whatever that is. Not a lot of faith. I, I if you made me bet I would say it's going to be a better game than the first Destiny because of the people who are working on it. Um, My understanding is it's a lot of the Taken King team that kind of went into Destiny and figured out how to rebalance it to make it a lot – to make it to have have a better on-ramp, to be more interesting mechanically, to have to fix the economy.
5: And the Taken King story was the best – I, f- I feel like, By especially far. DLC, it was the best that they they did. You know, they they really didn't capture that. Like, I want to finish this campaign with the other DLCs for me
2: as much. And I just, there, I hope that there are lots of lessons that they learned. The Dark One in chat notes that the map editing tools for Destiny One were really limiting. There's this great, I think it's Jason Schreier, second time he's been mentioned today on uh, from Kotaku, the, G- the
3: Jason Waypoint Radio,
2: Test. yeah, uh, who he did this deep dive into like what yeah. went wrong with Destiny One, and one of the big ones was. It took them a night to output a level, or like a, to output uh, a test level, and so if something was wrong. Then they had to recompile it, and it took another full twelve hours to see it. Oh it. Right, the
5: tools were were so clunky mm. that they couldn't react fast enough. It like took way too many resources to change one little thing in a map. That was a super good article, and it explained a lot why you have these competing forces of people probably there that knew exactly what to do or what you should do in terms of the path to success Mm -hmm. for this game, but couldn't do it because of the tools they had. Yeah, You know, so... We'll see. We'll see. Thanks for the bit.
2: Thank you for coming through for the bit and the thank, question bucket. Thank you, Joel. I think between those two, we really, we normally we pull one from deep in the question bucket on yeah. Fridays, but between uh, the guy who hates us because we like Zelda <laughs> and, and Joel. Between
3: uh, Jon Snow, John Snow, Joel, and Jason.
2: And J- all Js. Yeah, we, we got, got all Js. Of, this is, of, and
3: Jason Schreier.
2: And Jason Schreier. This is the J-Cast. What's up with the J-Cast? You know. I think that's going to do it for us this week. It's the end of the week. Switches out. Go play your Switch. Yeah. Uh, we are are uh, obviously reachable on the internet. You can find us at twitch.tv slash waypoint where you could have watched this live. Okay. You can find us on Twitter at twitter.com slash waypoint. You can find us on Facebook at waypointvice. Twitter or facebook.com slash waypointvice. YouTube.com waypointvice. You can read everything that we write at waypoint.vice.com new.donk.city
3: Bazinga.zone. Bazinga. Bazinga.zone.
2: DigitalPyramids.zone We got another Switch. We got a gray Switch here. Right here.
3: Gray switch, colorful switch, switch. switch.
2: We got all sorts of switches. Switches on switches. You're
3: hitting switches on switches. Can, that was good. That was
2: good. Yeah. yeah. You can find me at Austin <laughs> underscore Walker on Twitter. Danielle, where can people
3: Danielle find you? R.I. on Twitter.
2: Where can people find you, Joel? You can
5: find me at Destiny. Destiny Dork 127. Underscore Joel. Free magic, right?
3: You can
5: find me at Free Magic on Twitter. Thank and
3: Tim is at...
2: Tim Barnes
3: 451 yeah
2: Fahrenheit four five one Tim Barnes four five one that's it love that's it it's a reference you very
3: should very you very should very definitely very follow, very cool. follow Tim and Joel because the they're t- both great
2: they're both great Patrick Klepek you can find on Twitter at Patrick Klepek. Uh I don't know what's Jason Kettler's? oh I don't I do know his Twitter me, uh, mm, but you should go check out uh, motherboard show, motherboard uh, on motherboard plus, plus no, podcast plus podcast yes plus, we plus did it podcast. and
3: Bowen did our theme song what's the name of it. It's uh, Miss You off the EP Pale Machine.
2: Which you can find out more about at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. We're just going to do it. If you have questions for us, also this one, yeah. please send them to gamingadvice.com. Subject questions. Put that, put that word in there we'll know it's a question. Uh, also, don't insult us. Unless yeah, you have like a... No, just don't no. insult us. How don't, about, don't insult.
3: Please? Look, constructive criticism is a thing that is useful, uh, but uh, don't be like, you you suck. Because that that makes people defensive and it hurts and it's not nice and, and like also, be nice. We've done the you know? one
2: now. We've done the one. Like, we did reach it. out to a troll. We did it. Don't get corny if we do it again. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. So nah. Yeah. All right, everybody. Peace. Peace
3: and love.